Welcome to Huntersville Lutheran Sermon Webcast. We invite you to join us here for worship every Sunday at 10 a.m. Find out more at huntersvillelc.com. Thank you for joining us today. Today we're gonna we're gonna look at the how of prayer, how Jesus wants us to pray, and this is this is especially important because you can be taught uh, you can be taught all of the words to say in the entire scriptures. You can be taught the Lord's Prayer over and over and over again, but if you don't quite understand uh, how it is that you are to pray, namely that you are to pray boldly and consistently and confidently to God, then all of those prayers will be not effective, like James says, but will be ineffective. So today as we dig into the, the key to praying boldly, as we dig into the, the how of prayer, I want you to take a minute this morning and reflect, reflect on your prayer life this past week. And I want you to ask yourselves, how many times did I pray boldly? I mean, so bold that if you, were to, if you were to tell somebody the things that you asked God for or the things that you asked God to do, that somebody might laugh at you or might not even believe the things that you asked God for. Did you offer up a prayer like that? A prayer so bold that somebody might scoff at it? And if you didn't, why? Why didn't you pray with such a, a reckless boldness, an unfiltered or an unfettered boldness? Why don't you? When you flip through the pages of salvation history throughout scripture, you see all kinds of these unfiltered and unfettered, these bold and confident and consistent prayers coming from God's people. Take, take a man like Moses, for example. Moses was the leader of God's people. He led them out of Egypt through the Red Sea on dry ground. And now the Israelites in Exodus chapter 33, they're nestled into the base at Mount Sinai while Moses is receiving instructions from God on how he is to lead these people, how he is to teach them how to worship and, how, and giving them the rules and the laws that are to govern their spiritual life and their civil life as well. And there's one thing that keeps bothering Moses. He keeps wondering how in the world all of these Israelites, these throngs of God's people are going to follow him. And he asks God over and over and over again, even though God has reminded him time and again that he has found favor with God and that God is always with them. Moses keeps asking God, what makes me different? What makes me different from any of the other people that are, that are in the camp below me than any other people that are in the, on this earth? And so then he prays to, for something to set him apart. He prays to God and says, God, show me your face. It's a pretty bold request, isn't it? To ask God to see the one thing that God says you cannot see it and continue to live on, in this world. But God answers that prayer, at least in a roundabout way. This bold prayer that Moses prayed, God, show me your face. God hid Moses in the cleft of a rock and passed by him. And Moses was allowed to see God's back and see his glory. What about a man like Joshua and his bold prayers? Joshua was the one who took over leadership of God's people after Moses died and led them into the promised land. And in the promised land, God gave them a directive before they could really settle down. He told Joshua that you have to eradicate all of my enemies, all people who would stand, as, stand opposed to you from the promised land. And toward the end of that conquest, Joshua went to battle with the Gibeonites against these five kings of the Amorites. And God said, don't, you don't have to worry about this because I have delivered them into your hands and God delivered them in, in, in fascinating and stellar ways by hailstorms and mass confusion and by the swords of the Israelites. But Joshua was concerned that once the sun went down on the day of this battle, that they would not be able to, to pursue their enemies, that they would lose track of their enemies and not be able to carry out the directive that God had given them. So Joshua stood and he prayed. He said, God, make the sun stand still. Talk about a bold prayer. Asking God to make the, the star that governs the day 
to make it stand still. Now, you and I understand gravity and the way that the world and the universe works, that the sun doesn't actually stand still, the earth moves around it, but this is the way that Joshua understood things, and so God answered his prayer. And for an entire day, the sun stood still until all of the enemies of God's people were eradicated. So why don't you pray like them? What keeps you from praying boldly like, like Moses or Joshua? When you look at those requests, those prayers that these men made, we have a tendency to balk at them. Because these men, they speak to God with such boldness, with this unfiltered boldness, with all of the confidence in the world that God's going to answer their prayers. But, and, and they ask him to do things like, God, show me your face. God, make the sun stand still. And God actually hears them and God answers them. And so with all of these examples that we have of God answering bold prayers, why don't you and I pray like that? Because after all, we have the same God that Abraham and Moses and Joshua did. You and I have been given the same faith that Abraham and Moses and Joshua did, and yet our prayers don't even come close to matching the kinds of prayers that God's people offered in the Old Testament and in the New Testament. And why? What keeps you from praying boldly and confidently and consistently like that? Is that you're scared? You're scared that, that God himself might think the request that you made is a little bit ridiculous? You're scared that maybe God doesn't, God doesn't listen to you or hear the prayers that you're offering him? Or are you worried that the prayers that you do offer, well, they're never going to get an answer? Why is it that you don't pray boldly and confidently and consistently? Well, there's a key to it all. And it's a key that, that Abraham reveals to us in, in Genesis chapter 18. He gives us the key to bold praying, or to praying boldly. Genesis chapter 18, the beginning of it, the Lord and two of his angels come and visit Abraham and his wife Sarah, and they, they renew that promise once again that God made to Abraham uh, years and years ago, that he would have a son. And even though Abraham and Sarah were well along in years, and Sarah laughed at this promise over and over again, God came and he renewed this covenant once more and said, by this time next year, you're going to have a son. And when it came time for these men to leave, the Lord and his two angels, Abraham followed them out. And there's a city nearby where, where Abraham and Sarah were living, two cities actually, named Sodom and Gomorrah. And Sodom and Gomorrah were these wicked and awful cities who, who, whose evil and their grievous sins had reached, had reached the Lord's ears. And the Lord had made up in his mind that he was going to destroy these cities for everything that they had done against them, for all of the wrong that they had committed. And when Abraham found out, he approached the Lord with all of the boldness that he could muster. And he asked, he asked the Lord, or prayed to the Lord, will you really sweep away the righteous with the wicked? What if you find 50 people there? Will you save the city for the sake of these 50 people? The Lord said, yes. Now that in and of itself is a very bold request and a request or a prayer that gets an answer right away. And if you and I were to get an answer right away to such a bold prayer, there's a good chance that we would stop. But Abraham doesn't stop. He keeps going. He says, what if, you, what if there are only 45 people there? Will you, will you destroy it because of the 45? Or will you save it if there's 45 people left there? And, and God says, no, I'll, I'll save it for the sake of these 45. But Abraham doesn't even stop there. He gets two requests answered right, right away. And he says, God, don't be angry with me, though I am but dust and ashes. Let me make another request. What if there are 40 people there? And then he goes on again and says 30 and 20 and 10. Six more times, Abraham goes on to ask God to 
to, with these bold requests to have God save this city. Where in the world does Abraham's boldness come from? I mean, if you and I knew if God had, had let us in on, on the plan to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah, would we pray and ask God to, for, for the war to change his mind for something to happen? To ask the God of heaven and earth who has, the, who has everything mapped out for all eternity, would you ask him to change his mind? I don't know. I don't know if I would have the boldness or the confidence or the guts to do what Abraham did. And yet this is how Abraham acts. Where in the world does Abraham get his boldness from? It's a fascinating question because when I sit and I evaluate my prayer life and hold it up against the lens of Joshua and Moses and especially Abraham in Genesis chapter 18, my prayer life does not look like that. It is not as bold as Abraham's. And I think some of that comes from the way that you and I interact with each other. Abraham asks the Lord six different times for this bold request and God answers him six different times. But if I were to go up to Randy and ask him for, ask him for something and he says, whatever he says to me, either yes or no, chances are I'm going to leave that request alone. Because asking him a second time and a third time and then on to the sixth time would not only be considered rude, but there's a good chance that it would probably make him angry. And I think sometimes we think about praying to God like this, that we impose the way that you and I act with one another on the way that we interact with God. But that still doesn't answer the question, where does Abraham get his boldness from? Well, he clues us into this in verse 25, if it'll load. Yeah, 18 verse 25. Listen, listen to what Abraham says to God. Abraham said, Far be it from you to do such a thing, to kill the righteous with the wicked, treating the righteous and the wicked alike. Far be it from you. Will not the judge of all the earth do right? See, Abraham's boldness in prayer, it doesn't come from a proper understanding of what prayer is. It comes from a proper understanding of who God is. You see, from the very first time that God told Abraham to, to pack up his tent stakes and move to a new place, to the promise that his descendants would be as numerous as the stars in the sky and the sand on the seashore and the, the manifold promises that he would have an heir who would take over everything for him, an heir that would eventually bring forth the line of the Savior, Abraham knew that God was nothing but good and loving and caring and wanted nothing but the ultimate good for both him and for his family and for his people. This is what leads Abraham to confidently and boldly and consistently ask God over and over again to save this city because he has a proper understanding of who God is. This is where all of your confidence and all of your boldness comes from. It's not from a proper understanding of what prayer is or how you're supposed to pray or what you're supposed to pray. It's a proper understanding of who God is. So what in all the world is keeping you from praying so boldly like Abraham does? Is that you think your problems are, are too small to really bother God with? That, that God is too busy running the universe to, to really care about the cold that's been plaguing me for two weeks or the little squabble I'm having with a friend or, or a coworker because he has far more important things to do like running the universe than to care about my little things. It's the thing that's keeping you from praying boldly and consistently and confidently that, that you just think that God doesn't hear you. You've spent your entire life praying over and over again, sometimes as bold as Abraham did, and yet you never seem to receive an answer. And that you take that lack of an answer from God as the fact that God is not hearing you. And slowly those bold and confident and consistent prayers soon taper off until they become non-existent. Or maybe the worst of all of these is 
the thing that keeps you from confidently and consistently praying boldly is that you just think your problems are too big for God. Is that that terminal diagnosis that was given to your family member and confirmed by four doctors is, is just too big for God to handle. And one of your family members' marriage is on the rocks and they think it's beyond the point of saving, that that's a problem that's far too big for God. Whatever your big problem is, you think it's too big for God to handle. You see, when it comes to, to bold and confident and consistent praying, and you have a problem with it, it's not that you have a problem with prayer. It's that you have a God problem. Because the things that you pray, how you pray, what you pray, how often you pray, are reflective of the things that you believe about God. And this is true in every aspect of your life. If the thing that's keeping you from, if you think God is, is too, isn't concerned about the, the little problems that you have in this life, the cold or the squabbles that you're having with family or friends or coworkers, whatever your little problem is, do you know what you turn God into if you think he's not concerned enough about your problems? You turn into this pie-in-the-sky deity who's so far removed from his people that he doesn't even see him. If your problem with praying boldly and confidently and consistently is you think that God doesn't hear you, then you turn God into every other God that the world worships who's just a figment of the person's imagination. If your problem with prayer is that you think God isn't big enough or powerful enough to handle the big problems of your life, then you turn him into some sort of demigod who just basically looks pretty on a page and that's all he can do. But the problem with all of those, the problem with all of those, those notions or ideas about God is that that's never the way that he's revealed to us in Scripture. Because the God that you worship, the God that Abraham and Moses and Joshua clung to, the God that your faith clings to, Scripture clearly says that he is more powerful and more magnificent and greater and bigger than anything in all of the world that you can imagine. And I want you to hold on to that and grasp that this is who your God is. When you think your, your problems are too small in this life for God to take care of, I want you to remember what Jesus said about his, about his father. He said, look at the birds of the air. They don't reap, they don't sow, they don't store up for themselves in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds him. Are you not much more valuable than they are? God takes care of everything in this world, making sure that even the, the beasts of the field and the birds of the air have food to eat and water to drink. And you're concerned that he's not going to care about your little problems when you and the rest of humanity are the crown jewel of his creation. You, all of you sitting here this morning, are part of God's dearly loved family. You are his dearly loved children, and he loves you and cares for you, and that love moves him to provide and to provide and protect you. And so knowing that, knowing that God cares about every aspect of your life should move you to confidently and boldly and consistently pray to him, no matter what it is. If your problem with praying boldly and confidently and consistently is thinking that God doesn't hear you, I want you to take heart. Because all throughout the pages of Scripture, God promises the exact opposite of that sinful notion of your heart. Proverbs, or Psalm 66 says that God hears the prayer of the, God hears my prayer and has, a, has attended my voice. Proverbs 15 says God hears the prayer of the righteous. Luke chapter 11 
It says, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, for everyone who asks receives. He who seeks finds to him who knocks, the door will be opened. First John 5 says that this is the confidence that we have toward God, that if we ask anything in his name, anything in his name and to his will, it will be given to us. And this is just a small handful of the passages that talk about the fact that God hears you. And knowing that God hears you should never hinder your prayers. It should make you all the more bold to go and pray confidently and consistently, asking God, knowing that he hears you, and knowing that in his time and his way, he will give you an answer. And if you think that your problems are too big for God to handle, I want you to understand something about your God. Your God is the one who created the heavens and the earth, who created you, who set every star in the sky and placed every hair on your head, who the, who the universe, he moves at the, the sound of his voice. This is the God you have who is more powerful, who is more mighty, who is bigger than anything in this world, who is bigger than any problem that you have in your life. And he's not just that he's bigger than any problem you have in your life. It's that he already took care of the biggest problem that you have. See, when you were brought into this world, you were brought sinful because flesh gives birth to flesh. You were a sinful person who was separated God completely because separated from God completely because of your sin. And yet, God moved heaven and earth to take care of that problem for you. He sent his son into this world to live and to die and to rise again, to give you the forgiveness of sin so that you would not be separated from him forever and to win for you eternal life so that you would be in heaven with him someday. This is the big problem that God has already taken care of for you in your life. And there is no bigger problem that you will ever face in this life than that problem of sin. And since God already took care of that problem of sin from, from you, isn't he going to be willing? And doesn't he have the ability and the power and the majesty to take care of everything else for you? Knowing this fact should cause you and lead you to pray confidently and consistently and boldly and bring all of your requests, no matter how big they are, to God. This is the key to praying like Abraham, to praying boldly. It's not having a proper understanding of what prayer is. It's having a proper understanding of who your God is. And when you understand that your God is more powerful than your biggest problems, that he cares about every aspect of your life, be it no matter how small it is, that he listens to everything that you ask him, gosh, that should lead you to pray unceasingly. That should lead you to pray with all of the, the, confidence, of jo the confidence of Joshua and the, the boldness of Abraham and the consistency of Moses to pray like this. And when you pray like this, know that your God hears you and your God answers you and gives you what is the best thing for your life when he sees fit in his own time. Brothers and sisters, pray like this. God grant it. Amen.